You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Super Tuesday is finally here. The SEC primary has combined with Super Tuesday, and it looks like we may have a Democrat sweep here in Georgia as Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are both favored to win uh, by pretty big numbers. The question in Georgia specifically is can some of the other candidates garner more than 20% of the vote? Because due to our our uh, delegation award rules, if you crack 20% in Georgia, you will get awarded some votes. And uh, frankly, the polls have been pretty accurate this year. I, I guess they uh, – I don't know if it's easier to poll primary voters because in general elections we've seen if it, when the Republican versus a Democrat, we've seen the polls be very incorrect, especially here in Georgia. But, you know, this cycle – Pretty much every race has gone according to the polls. Now, the Iowa race, uh, Ted Cruz did flip-flop with Donald Trump on that. There's been a little bit of second and third place uh, reversals, but things have started to normalize in it. And uh, we're clearly seeing Donald Trump, Marco Rubio, and Ted Cruz as one, two, three almost in every state. Now, John Kasich did steal a uh, second-place finish up in New Hampshire, but he's looking at uh, sub-10% numbers here in Georgia, uh, along with Ben Carson, and I just don't see a path to victory for either of those two. I think John Kasich could certainly be a vice presidential candidate, and if you look at his resume, he got the best resume of anybody out there. It's just been really hard for him to catch on in this fervor of uh, um, anti-establishment, anti-any elected official, uh, this anger that, that we've seen resonate uh, across the country on both the Democrat and the Republican side. There's Democrats. I actually asked my neighbor today who she voted for, and I said, was it I, – I didn't know she was a Democrat, but I, I – Guest, I typecasted her, and uh, given where I live and when in my interactions with her, and I said, "Did you vote for Hillary or Bernie?" And she didn't answer at first, and then I said, "Don't worry, I'm a Republican, so neither will offend me." <laughs> so she says, "Oh, you know, I voted for Hillary, but I really, really don't like her." And that's what the Democrats are able to do: is consolidate behind a candidate, even if they don't like them, they still vote for them. Republicans are going to have a real hard time this year. Some of these uh, reports are coming out that Donald Trump, if he does uh, finish the drill, which he looks like today is going to be a, a really good day for Team Trump, there's a lot of Republicans that say that are now saying they would outright refuse to support him in the general election. And if you look at any kind of electoral map and any kind of polls, and it is too early for direct, direct polling um, or uh, nationwide polling to uh, – extrapolate info from that but it's fun it's fun to speculate and right now hillary clinton is crushing donald trump uh by a couple hundred uh, electoral votes and it looks like it would be a pretty easy win for her and then you hear this other thing about donald trump is actually out polling her in new york city which if new york suddenly becomes in play for republicans that changes things a lot as well so uh i think it's uh I mean, remember the Chinese philosopher David, he said, may you live in interesting times? We are certainly living 
in interesting times right now. Uh, Donald Trump had a huge event, huge event last night in Valdosta, which I thought was actually a very smart move for him to go because Valdosta is very close to the uh, Florida border. And Marco Rubio being uh, Trump's biggest competitor right now. We'll see what happens tonight. Ted Cruz is favored to win Texas, but he's also third place in most of the other states. So after tonight, if Kasich is under 10% and Carson's under 10% and Cruz is a pretty consistent third place except for Texas, what, what do you think they should do? Is it time to consolidate the establishment and the anti-Trump factions behind one candidate? Is that the only chance they have to stop Trump? Or should we even care about stopping Trump, David? I don't know. What do you think? Trump still scares me, quite frankly, um, as does, uh, you know, I, I'm disappointed in uh, uh, what he's done. He has totally taken a an institution of some renown and made a mockery of it. Um, and he, he's everybody's played right into his hands. And he's uh, beat them down personally, and then they've gone away. And uh, the more he degrades somebody and the more he, he goes after them, the more I don't care for him. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a real – I've never seen anything like this, and everybody's saying that. And yeah, it's a predicament because I it's I, a hell of a predicament. I called him an undocumented Republican earlier today. because yeah. <laughs> so, you know he, one of his uh, his uh, you know mantras has been building this wall to keep out undocumented Mexicans or, or whoever's coming from the southern border. He doesn't talk too much about a Canadian or a northern border uh, wall, but um, you know Mexico is going to pay for it. And he's had these uh, interactions with the former you know heads of state and the Pope, and just a lot of national figures that uh, somehow his support continues to grow. And um, I, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if we should embrace it or fight. Is resistance futile, kind of like fighting against the Borg back in Star Trek era? I really don't know. All but right. I do know that people are very, very frustrated with Republicans. And here's what I'd say. I'd say, well, you know, Republicans, we they had the uh, White House and Congress back when uh, George W. was first elected. They didn't do anything to shrink government and to uh, enhance your constitutional rights. And then they gave in to uh, the Democrats for a long time. And then back in 2010, we got the House again. And they said, oh, all we need to do is do the Senate. We'll be able to reverse all this stuff. And now the story is now we need to have the White House. So I think people are fed up with it. They look at the, every gain that we've had a chance to make has been given away. The sequester, which was the only thing that was actually keeping spending somewhat in line, has been given away. They've bowed to Obama's wishes constantly. And I get it. We have a president that is willing to shut down government and not pay the troops so he can fund abortions and he can uh, make sure unvetted Syrian refugees can come here. Uh, that, that's the reality that we're in. But is the answer a guy that's really never been a Republican his entire life? A guy that, uh, you know, which is strange in a way, you know, has he been a Democrat really? He's been, he, he, you know, he's supported a lot of Democrat causes. I mean, he's given a lot of money to a lot of different people over the years. So people owe him a lot of favors, according to him anyway. Yet he's not an insider. There's so many, I guess, 
contrary things about Donald Trump, right? He's he's an out, he's an outsider, yet he's got all this inside knowledge. He doesn't need any money, yet he's happy that so many individuals are supporting his campaign. Only in America can somebody give money to a billionaire, right? I mean, yeah. if you think about that, that would be the only reason I would ever and – and I won't donate to his campaign. But I think that would be kind of fun to say, hey, I just gave a billionaire money. You know, We're the only country on earth where that is even possible, right? Well, he's he's taken in what seven million bucks or something in dollar and yeah. dollar contributions and all that. Yep. Um, I don't know. I I really don't know. You voted today. Um, you know, I think you're you're probably loyal to the loyalist, uh, <laughs> which is none of my business. But well, I, the wife and I we, that's two votes for Marco Rubio today. Today was my wife's first time to vote in a presidential election, so that was kind of cool. She had voted for the. Uh, uh, governor and senator race a couple years ago, but uh, today was the first day where she got to pick somebody for president. So that was kind of cool. I uh, I do think, and I'm looking at this pragmatically. Marco Rubio, I believe, does really really well head to head against Hillary Clinton, who's the likely nominee from the Democrat side. Uh, almost guaranteed the way the Democrats actually have their primaries set up that she will be their nominee and she is extremely unpopular but if we run Donald Trump out there against her then I think that uh, I think we're going to lose that one now I will say this though Donald Trump is bringing a lot of interest to the party and I would say that he's getting a lot of white working class Democrats that are listening to him uh, some of the, uh, the the factory closings and relocations that we've seen the past couple years, I mean, past couple weeks, have fed directly into his uh, his narrative that we are losing the international trade wars. Now, unfortunately, Trump's some of the things I've seen him say is to apply a forty five percent tariff to Chinese made goods. That would uh, <laughs> that would make your plasma TV kind of expensive, there, David, and that tablet you're playing on, and my computer, and my cell phone, and pretty much everything. Imagine everything that you bought electronics costing fifty percent more. I don't think that's very good. Now, I also don't think we should be engaged in these uh, unfair trade practices, but a lot of times these companies are leaving because of the the regulations that have become so burdensome to this uh, this business climate that we have and the fact that we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. Now, most of these companies actually don't pay that 36% headline tax rate, but they do have to spend billions on accountants and tax lawyers and, and, uh, and other people to keep their tax burden down as their fiduciary responsibility to the, uh, the public shareholders. Speaking of that, uh, why uh, why do you figure Trump won't release his taxes? Uh, well, I, I, I don't like the uh, release your tax return attack. That didn't really work well uh, for the Mitt Romney election back in 2012. And I do think that Donald Trump's tax returns are probably really, really ridiculously complicated. What I, what I would be happy to see is somebody that does look at tax returns for a living in my regular career in the mortgage world. I would be satisfied with just seeing the first two pages of his personal returns, David, because that would show his adjusted gross income, it would show his tax rate, it would show what kind of deductions he has, it would show charitable contributions, all the little nitty gritty stuff that shows the character of a person, that would be revealed by that. I don't really need to see 100,000 pages of his, you know, all of his business interests. 
In fact, I do. I think the the fact that some of these uh, candidates have simple returns is a little unnerving. Do we really want a president who would be the CEO of the world's biggest economy and the world's largest government to be able to use TurboTax for his tax returns? I don't. I mean, hire a damn CPA. I mean, I think that the president of the United States should have a somewhat complex tax return. And for me, I would be satisfied with Donald Trump sending out the the past 10 years just the first two pages of his personal tax returns that shows the adjusted gross income and uh, some of the other details. I think that would be very sufficient. It would show his income. It would show the tax rate. It would show if he's giving money to church, which he claims. And uh, I think that would be enough to satisfy most people. Now, there's always – I mean, would that is that would that satisfy you to, to know all the uh, – Kind of the Cliff Notes version of things. Yeah, that 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 would be all right. That I could handle that. You can handle that, huh? Yeah. We got a great show today. We have a uh, congressional candidate from the uh, Southwest Georgia Columbus area in here today. Bobby Scott will be joining us at two fifteen, and then the uh, College Republican Chair Joel Pollock from the uh, Valdosta State University is going to be calling in at about two thirty, and. Uh, Really got some uh, exciting coverage of the Donald Trump event last night. From what I was seeing, 20,000 people showed up to this thing. Well, that's enough. Can you imagine that? Well, let's go ahead and take our uh, break here, and uh, we'll circle back with you in a couple minutes with Bobby Scott. Thanks a lot. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, Super Tuesday version. Uh, we have a candidate here for Congress down in the southwest Georgia area, Mr. Bobby Scott, an attorney and uh, great all-around American. You can find his uh, website at bobbyscottforuscongress.com. He got one of the shorter URLs I've ever seen. But, uh, Bobby, welcome <laughs> to Greg's List. I appreciate you making the drive up today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first time running for office? Correct. I've been in private practice as an attorney for most of my career, um, and you know, quite frankly, I'm going to you know, jump ahead, I guess, a little bit. But you know, after practicing law in Columbus, doing all sorts of different types of practice, uh, I've just seen that the district just has not changed for the better in almost twenty something years. Yeah. Now, Sanford Bishop is the uh, the current uh, rep down there. This is District Two, Albany, a little bit of Columbus, I guess. Yeah, uh, a lot of the South Columbus, okay. and then you got a lot of Middle Georgia. You got small towns like Sasser or Talbotton, stuff like that. So, okay. Is uh, Bainbridge in there? I believe so. Okay. We haven't, we haven't made the complete circuit yet, so we're, we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to say, I, it's uh, it's an interesting race. A couple of years ago, maybe actually a few is probably better, uh, Mike Keown ran, and he came Correct. really close to winning this. I this, believe uh, within 5,000 votes. Yeah, and it was I, within I'm, a couple percentage points, and uh, basically Albany is one of the, the bigger cities in this area. It is. And unfortunately, that came through for <laughs> Sanford. Uh, it did, it did. The big time. But uh, So describe the district a little bit. I know it's probably one of Georgia's uh, poorer uh, districts, just because I know the Albany Doherty County actually has a net loss of of people, which is not good for, for it, it any d- kind of city. It does, and the the employment rate is, I mean, thirteen percent. Okay. It is a very rural area. There's a lot of farmers, a lot of uh, you know agriculture is down there. Uh, I, I think that's on the edge. Okay, but um, <laughs> but your, your main centers are going to be parts of Macon, a lot of South Columbus, Albany, uh, and then you have the small towns in between, like Butler or mm-hmm. Talbotton, stuff like that. Right. And, and I'm familiar with a lot of those small towns, and that's kind of what had prompted me. Um, uh, I actually, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm an avid hunter, and you know, member of the NRA, and and you know, there is a place that we actually go hunt a lot mm-hmm. uh, in in Talbot, Georgia. And I, the only grocery store in town has been shut down, oh. and so uh, there are just so many businesses have just that have just closed, and it's just unfortunate. And I've just seen it change in the past fifteen years, so that's what prompted well, me to run. Well, and, and I guess uh, Sanford Bishop, you know, a lot of times these these congressional reps they they need to be. Uh, uh, you know, advertisements for their district mm-hmm. and uh, marketing reps and, and trying. If you have the, uh, the the you know the ability to meet so many people in D.C., you can talk to some companies. And Georgia does have a fairly friendly business climate. We're supposedly the number one state in which to do business. So I'm wondering. I'm guessing a lot of the textile industries and some mills have probably gone out of business. I was just talking a about lot of them. What's giving Trump a lot of. Uh, I guess credibility is we are seeing so many companies leave to China or leave to Mexico, and that really has hurt our manufacturing in your district. I think it really uh, has. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would I would say almost every single mill in Columbus is, is closed mm. uh, now. They've tried to convert some of them into condos, like what they do up here, like or, or or they just. <laughs> Uh, one was actually, I think, a, a, a victim of arson, um, and it was a historic mill. They call that Mickey the Match. <laughs> <laughs> and then some are just sitting vacant, so right. it's, it's unfortunate. And you know, I'm not saying that we go back and move back into these mills and, and do your 1800 style mill textile business, <laughs> but the buildings can be occupied by by 
you know, good companies. I mean, we have a history in Columbus, at least, of having great companies. And, uh, you know, we have Aflac down there. Um, yep. You have Sonoma's Bank, which yep. I've represented uh, before as, as an attorney. Now, what kind of uh, was it representing them against uh, – what, what kind of business practice was that? Well, it, it would be just general corporate stuff. Okay. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, there are some bright spots. You know, we have some really nice uh, state-of-the-art medical facilities. I do a lot right. of representation of health care. Okay. Um, and I've represented Phoebe Putney Hospital down in Albany, uh, mm-hmm. Columbus Regional up in um, in Columbus, uh, Houston County Hospital. You know, so, right. So we're all over the place. This is Warner Robbins in the district? Yeah, okay. roughly. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it was changed in 2010, which uh, after Republicans won the uh, the – State House, they were able to uh, redraw the districts for the first time in 150 years, and I think they actually drew it a little bit, skewed it more towards the Democrats. I don't, but we haven't seen things can change over they, uh, five or six years. They so. did, and I, I've looked at the district map, and they've cut out some choice areas of, of Columbus to suit. I'm sure whoever need, needed it to happen. So, but that's that's what career politicians do. So. Yeah. Yep. So Congress. So what? What are some of the the, the focal points that you would uh, you really concentrate on uh, if, if you were elected and sent to D.C. to represent this uh, district too? Well, mostly the economy. Like I said, I've seen some very very dark spots, but some some very bright spots here and there. Um, there's a town in Woodland, Georgia, um, that uh, actually has a solar panel. Uh, field now, mm-hmm. which I think is is phenomenal because there's really hardly anything in Woodland but that. But so it's an industry that can can work, and um, you know. But like I said, I've, I've traveled the district a lot, which I think sets me apart because. Um, I actually get out there on my feet. So I'll put my boots on, and I'll go to these small towns, either you know, uh, hunting or fishing, or mm-hmm. you know, visiting people, and and I just see too many downtowns just boarded up, right. and, it, and it's sad because you know some of these downtowns are just gorgeous. Uh, for example, in Talbot County, um, you know, where the only grocery store was uh, actually there, and they the shut down. Wiggly. It was a Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> exactly. It was, uh, which I, I had represented in the past, but it, it, it's a pretty little town and it's actually the the courthouse in the talbot talbotton um uh court square is actually where the first session of the georgia supreme court actually was held mm-hmm. so gotcha. so it's a, you know, there's a lot of historical places out there yeah. so um there was a bill that just uh it looks like it's going through the legislature now for camden county which uh i think that might be more towards feldosta side of things but they are setting up a space um <laughs> a space area where they can launch um potential space and manufacture stuff and this is not science fiction stuff this is more like the you know, richard branson virgin air virgin space sure, whatever yeah. he calls it and yeah. it's a pretty pretty cool industry and there is a lot of flat land down there. <laughs> there there is a lot of flat land i think that's why the peanut farmers like it so much yeah so yeah. um it, it's it's very flat and I, it'd, be, it'd be great and that's the, that's the type of thing that we need to encourage and and again you know I, i've lived down there for almost 15 years and you might see that one thing but, I mean, as a general premise, the district itself is just not getting the benefit of that. Yeah. And I think that needs to change. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's one of the things with the with the solar power being kind of a, a green energy or renewable energy. We, if you are able to put these panels out, and solar, I think, is the most uh, – 
reliable of these new energy sources. And I think it's the... It is, because really, it, it gets hot down there. I was about to say, I can imagine. <laughs> it's 95 degrees. There's no shade down there. That's uh, right. Columbus has some trees and stuff. And actually, the river down there, uh, I know they put um, they, they put the ability to go uh, like some rapids in Columbus. Or oh, it's, like it's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. You know, it's, it's really kind of the last set of rapids before you actually get yeah. toward the sea. And what they did is they tore down the dam. And now it has made Columbus State University expand tremendously. Right. Now, you know, um, you know, there's there was a lot of buildings that were closed down. Columbus State has really started to move in, and they're starting to actually make a big tourist industry out of it. So. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential uh, for that in the area, and obviously the district. You, um, Phoenix City is right close to you it's, guys. It's in a Alabama, stone's throw away so, from office. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. you're right, uh, right on that border there. A lot of tourism from people traveling from Atlanta to the beach. So, That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. Take little pit stops there before they get to Ufala, Alabama. And uh, I actually don't go that way anymore. I go through Montgomery now. Oh, okay. Columbus has gotten too damn big. I get stuck in traffic there. Well, you, luckily, <laughs> you can actually kind of skirt by. Like when you go down and take 80 over, yeah, I know. But yeah, it's just, yeah. even that will get kind of backed up. So yeah. I, uh, it, do, it does sometimes. You know, uh, Now we actually have traffic uh, reporters now, which we never had. <laughs> you know, But, uh, you know, it's still at the same time, the, the employment rate still yeah. gets way too high. Well, and, and the schools down there, I guess, and, and that's one of the things, it's so much of the uh, – the school systems depend on federal dollars. And, That's right. And um, normally in some of these counties, a lot of in your district, I'd imagine, the school is the largest employer. And so they do the scare tactics. Anytime you want to try to fix some of the schools, I know charter schools here are controversial. I can imagine how they must be looked at in uh, yeah. with, a, with a great degree of suspicion. Um, yeah, to some to some extent, you know, we have a we actually have one of the best public schools in in the state with, in, uh, in Muscog- Columbus in Muscogee County. In yeah, Columbus but I mean, High. the surrounding areas are. I mean, the, the, the surrounding areas, the, the schools are just not what they should be. They're not up to up to par, and that's one of the things that you know the Republican Party in general ha- has been looking to fix. And I think that that's a great argument that we have when we actually show we're not satisfied with the status quo. We do want to improve education for everybody. So I think that's a great I, I agree. Uh, issue for you to be able to use against the life, you know, basically a career politician. And, and that's, that's, that's that's exactly right. You know, there are certain areas that have, have been, have gotten better, but really, quite frankly, if you drive outside of downtown Columbus and you go, go travel the district, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big district. It's very rural. And the average people are not being taken care of. Quite just as simple as that. Well, and, and, you know, the, and when I'm looking up the district right now to see how it was changed, and uh, you know, it's pretty fascinating. You know, today on the ballot, I guess everybody down there will be voting for uh, their presidential preference as well. In DeKalb County, where me and my wife voted today, it was literally the only thing on the ballot. Pretty good turnout. Yeah. Um, are you anticipating any Republican primary opposition? Because uh, that'll be May twenty fourth. I guess qualifications next week. It, it is. It is, and we'll be ready to go ahead and uh, make make that happen. I'm not really one hundred percent sure okay. uh, right now. I'm, I have not heard a whole heck of a lot um, okay. uh, from any serious opposition. So I'm hoping. Uh, uh, it's my goal. Is that uh, we, it's, it's going to be me and, and my opponent on the Democratic side? Yep. Okay. So I just pulled it up. So this is uh, yeah. So it grabs. 
It has all of Columbus in it, I guess. Isn't it? Uh, except for there? except okay. for a small part of North Columbus. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's a very it's a <laughs> it's he, an he, interesting. It's, it looks like a jigsaw puzzle now when you pull up the uh, congressional maps. The eleventh is is clearly the ugliest uh, district uh, that we have <laughs> as far as Bartow to Buckhead. But yeah. uh, yours makes sense, and um, you know it is one of those where if you can really turn out the vote, door to door is going to be hard. <laughs> it, 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 well, yeah, it'll but, be farm to door, and it's unfortunate <laughs> because I, I drive a uh, a Dodge um, uh, fifteen. And that thing does not get good gas oh, mileage. Man. So, but I, I, that's what we've been doing. Yeah. We've, we've been traveling the district and going, yep. you know, to, to small towns and talking to people say, individually. What I would do is just put a big old sign in the back of the pickup truck. Already done. Park it in, t- in the town center and just hang out and have meet and greets. Are you already doing that? Yep. Good. Absolutely. I think that's the way you you, you hit these rural areas because I had some friends in Covington, Newton County, kind of do a similar thing. It wasn't for Congress, but it was for uh, well, yeah, it might have been for Congress or County Commissioner, but they said. Look, mm-hmm. This is what we did. We had a couple trucks. We had a convoy, and you know, it got a lot of attention doing that. And that's definitely true <laughs> with uh, with uh, Covington and Newton County. My my father actually lives up there, so I'm oh, familiar really? okay. with familiar with that area as well. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, Bobby Scott, I've got uh, another caller calling in today. We're going to be talking to. Uh, uh, Joel Pollock, one of the Valdosta State uh, College Republicans, he's the chair down there, and uh, you know those are some uh, great groups of folks where you can try to get some uh, absolutely some, some campaign workers as well. So you're welcome to hang out with us for a spell. And, great. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes on Greg's list. Thank you all for listening. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy, no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. Just had an interview with Bobby Scott, candidate for Congress in District 2, which is kind of the southwest Georgia area, including Albany, uh, 
parts of Macon, Columbus, and a lot of other small towns and, uh, and, and counties kind of in the rural area. Um, got a really good uh, guest right now who's calling in from Valdosta during one of his classes, which uh, coincidentally I believe is a, po- a political science class. Joel Pollack from the uh, Valdosta State College Republicans. He's the chairman down there. And uh, from what I was reading online and on the uh, on the Facebook and the social media there, Donald Trump had kind of a big deal last night in Valdosta, didn't he? Uh, yes, Greg, can you hear me? Yep, yeah, hey, Joel, welcome to Greg's. Are you able to hear me okay? Yes, sir. Awesome. awesome. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And, and yes, it was a poli sci class that I was able to get out of. <laughs> um, prof actually said, the professor actually said he, he'd mark my attendance being there okay. because it's relevant to the class, so that's great. Um, but back, yes, back to Donald Trump and what you've seen on social media. Um, it was interesting down here yesterday. Um, it was probably tens of thousands of people down here in Valdosta, a small town, rural town, about 15 miles from the Florida border. Um, so it was really interesting. And um, as far as part of what you've read on social media, USA Today, all the media, and it's just been incredible. Um, this is a really exciting event and really exciting thing um, that we had here in Valdosta. Yeah, now you had a, there was a couple of events. There was a big rally that looked like it was at a stadium, and then there was a smaller event with uh, Sean Hannity from Fox. So basically, Donald Trump is able to get this uh, unbelievable press coverage just because he's become such a, uh, I guess, charismatic candidate. And so you were at a more private, secluded event with uh, Sean Hannity and some others, and so it was kind of a town hall thing, right? Yes, um, there were two events. Um, for, I knew about both the events going on. Uh, they happened probably within an hour's time of each other. Um, I was actually contacted more closely with uh, some producers from Sean Hannity's show, and th- that actually took place a little bit before the um, the rally began. Um, so I, I helped organize that with them and, and make sure they had a place to be, and, and um, I, I was really interested with uh, and I, I think the handy thing was a lot better than going to the rally because um, <laughs> while I cannot support a single candidate until after the primaries um, being my position uh, as chairman I will say that um, it was really great to be up close and personal with a presidential candidate because we do not get presidential candidates that come down to Valdosta or South Georgia. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting, really amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a stroke of genius. Earlier, uh, when we had more candidates, I, I always thought an event in Savannah would be smart because you'd be able to get the Hilton Head. You'd be on the border of South Carolina. And by Trump uh, going to Valdosta, uh, and, and we really have a lot of uh, thanks to dole out to uh, Brian Kemp and some of the other folks that made mm-hmm. this SEC primary happen because previously we just haven't had the uh, Republican candidates really care much about Georgia. And this past week, uh, well, really this past month, we've just been deluged with uh, candidates coming to events and having these uh, these opportunities like in Valdosta, which, you know, y'all are 15 miles from the Florida uh, border. And for him to be able to go down there and have 20,000 people show up in Georgia and Florida, which his second, um, his nearest competitor right now is Marco Rubio, who is unfortunately, uh, from my perspective, getting trounced by Trump in uh, in Florida. For him to be able to kind of kill two birds with one stone, I thought was genius. Exactly, and it was really interesting to see that. And of course, thank you 
go, you know, as far as to be to Secretary Kemp and, and um, members from both sides of the aisle um, for really pushing for, for an SEC primary and, and really pushing for us to have something like this so early, so close together with all the other states. Because um, now you see it all over the state, uh, Marco being in Atlanta, um, John Kasich was in, in Kennesaw last week. Trump came down here to Valdosta, and you, you just sort of see all these candidates coming together yep. um, to, to sort of shed light on, on the Great South and, and what we have down here. Yeah, and uh, I've got uh, Bobby Scott here. He's an attorney. He's running for Congress over in uh, in the district kind of next to you guys. It's kind of it bisects the uh, the state of Georgia. For for college uh, students and millennials, what uh, you know, we always hear about this student loan debt or the the economy. What uh, what kind of advice or questions would you have for somebody running? Because Bobby, I think, is probably my age or maybe a few years younger than me. So he's certainly uh, from the same mindset where we you grew up with technology being you know mm-hmm. used to us it's a i i think i defer more to the younger generation than the you know the the 75 year old plus no offense to my parents but uh <laughs> <laughs> um wow biggest advice slash question i would have to say is um being a millennial i i would just love to say that and i was actually supposed to ask mr trump this question but um jobs and college debt are, are definitely on our list of, of reasons and, and concerns for why we vote for somebody. Um, I have friends all over that, that say they vote for a person because of um, they have a great plan for jobs, they have a great plan for the economy, they're great with national defense or something like that. But I believe that is very important for jobs and, and, and for a well-structured economy to get back in, into this country. Um, and, and with everything in life, there's all connected factors. So you see, you know, healthcare comes in. You see, and, and these are just you know things that we start paying for once we graduate. So we're we're very concerned with that, you know, jobs and, and a structured economy. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what 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 I hear a lot is the opportunity economy and and sometimes the millennials get a little bit of a a bad rap because they get accused of this entitlement sensation. The ones I've met, the Republicans anyway, they they don't have that as much. Now they do fear the uh, the student loans, but uh, I applaud you for actually going to a a what I would call a fiscally conservative school instead of going to some private school like Barry and having fifty thousand dollars a year and majoring mm-hmm. in ancient Sumerian poetry. You're at uh, one of the state schools. I went to University of Georgia, and uh, Bobby went to Georgia State and UGA for law school. So I, I think we've been proven, or we're able to prove, that the public schools do work, and uh, especially for college, instead of incurring as much debt as you can, I, I think one of the biggest things we need to do is encourage college students to pursue majors that are in demand. That would be my biggest advice right now. Is that something that uh, that you guys are seeing people are actually looking at what industries are hiring and y'all are actually going into those fields? Um, that's a great question. I could obviously say yes. And, and I myself am a healthcare administration major. Um, I'm actually on law school, so that's, that's a, maybe a possibility. Okay. Um, but I can honestly say even if I don't go to law school, with a healthcare administration degree, that field of healthcare administration is supposed to grow uh, sort of exponentially within the next few years. Because I, I mean, I was just looking at statistics the other day, and they said to me that um, statistics proved to me that you know this job is going to need people because people want to need healthcare, people 
uh, will always need some sort of support, especially since baby boomers are going to start needing that, that or that generation that will start needing the, the, the heavy health care. Uh, right. Boom. Um, some of my members are actually nursing majors. I have my buddy, um, he's a he's a male uh, aspiring to be a nursing major. Um, and, and you know, being a male nursing major, that sort of gets you an automatic hire in some places. So <laughs> a lot of us are, are really playing our, our strengths and are playing our cards right because our majors are, um, are what they are. And, and I will agree that, you know, it's time that we start having students focus more on the job readiness and the mm-hmm. major readiness. Um, and, and, and I would definitely like to say, I would definitely like to see something come out of Georgia General Assembly to help further that. Um, I know there's plenty of legislation going through, um, but maybe something that will further that in the future. Yeah, well, you know, the, it's it's exciting to see so many people engaged. Y'all have uh, Moody's Air Force Base down there, and uh, one of the things that you were talking about, uh, Bobby, was the uh, the BRAC, the base closing. Um, you know, what what's the military uh, setup in, in your district? And I guess you're going to be looking at all the areas, but in yours specifically, Houston County uh, has Warner Robins Air Force Base. So what, what have you noticed in that? Well, you know, uh, there's been a lot of people moving out. Uh, there's been a, but at the same time, there's been a lot moving Moving in because they've basically expanded a lot of Fort Benning to the detriment of many other installations. Uh, there's been a lot of work that has been kind of that has died off in the years because BRAC has basically just kind of right. uh, you know kind of cooled down. So, um, but the, the military presence is always obviously a, a big issue uh, for for the at least the second district. Yep. Um, and I think you know one of the biggest problems I think that. Uh, for the military is just fixing the the VA. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in shambles. Yep. Um, for example, my, my father was a Vietnam era uh, military. I, I was born on base at Fort Gordon, which was in Augusta, and he he would tell me that uh, sometimes it'll take him a month, maybe two, to get an appointment, and that's just <laughs> that's, that's, that's just right. not acceptable. Yeah. And not, not for our veterans. Well, what advice would you give to our, our friend Joel as an aspiring? The world can never have too many attorneys. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they can. I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think combining the law with the health care, it, it'll be beneficial. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do a lot of health care. We represent probably 50-something hospitals in three different states. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it, just combining the idea of Obamacare, I, I would say the private sector is just well more efficient and well more, um, you know, just able to create efficiencies that obviously Obamacare cannot right. do. Now, of course, I'm not saying to privatize the VA, <laughs> but we need to hold them accountable mm-hmm. because they're supposed to be, Helping our vets, right? You know? And so, and right now they're just not doing that. Like I said, you know, if it takes my dad a month or maybe two to get an appointment, uh, that's, that's just that's, that's just, just too exactly. long. Especially for the folks that uh, you know did sign up, but a lot of times afterwards, uh, after the conscription or the draft ended, right. so these were the true uh, volunteers. Joel, I got to ask you your survey of the crowd last night. Were th- was it Trump supporters or curiosity seekers or some amalgamation of both? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I actually did not make it into the rally. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. But I mean, you probably heard, and, and I mean, certainly in your the focus group, you were able to hopefully get a little bit of an idea. And and I will give you a a good um, sort of overview of the of the focus group that I was sitting in with. Um, it was about fifty fifty. You had the you know, um, David. You want to take a break? You had about, we had okay. about hey, hey, Joel, hey Joel. 
Joel, can you hold on one second? I'm going to go take our 2.45 break here, uh, like a minute right. early, and that way we can finish up with you and I don't have to cut you off, even though I already have. So, could, right. yeah, no hold, on, yeah, hold on for two minutes, and then, yeah, because that's going to be really interesting for me to hear about. Back in a couple minutes on Greg's List. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.QuickStake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, Super Tuesday edition. Last week we had a we had a hell of a preview of uh, today's uh, festivities, where a bunch of states in the, the southeast are going to be voting, and Massachusetts and Minnesota and Colorado. So it's a it's a really big day. And uh, Donald Trump, the front runner in most of the states, was just in Valdosta, Georgia, last night for uh, you know to borrow one of his words, a huge event with uh, twenty thousand people. Joel Pollack, the chairman of the Valdosta State College Republicans, was able to go to a, uh, a smaller event, a focus group with Sean Hannity and Donald Trump. And uh, I was just, uh, Joel, like I was asking you right before the break, c- give us a little uh, you know, breakdown of, of if it was the curiosity seekers, if it was true supporters, and what the, the, the overall attitude of that uh, event was. Sure. All right. First off, it was a great event. Uh, my family from Atlanta actually came down to uh, see me and and come to this event. Um, I think the small group out of it was was a lot better experience than the rally. Um, there were about a little bit of everyone there. You had you know a lot of your people that weren't necessarily sure about who to vote for today, um, who probably left like they knew who to vote for. Um, then you had the group that was like, all right, strong you know Trump supporters, and then you had the Republicans, college Republicans that were everyone sort of on their own and sort of understands who to vote for. But, but wants a, you know, clearer picture of it. Um, so from a lot of people I was talking to, they were like, you know, I sort of see where you're going with this, and, and I sort of see what he wants with this. Um, I will say that Trump, uh, meeting and talking with him, because um, I got about two minutes in with him, <laughs> he asked me, do you think we have a chance here? And I said, Mr. Trump, 
anything in the state of Georgia is possible, <laughs> much like our weather. Um, so, and then same thing I asked Sean Handy, you know, Sean is like, how do you feel about this election? He's like, this is a historic and exciting time, and I will echo those words, and I'll tell you this, Greg, that uh, this is a historic and exciting time for Valhalla State and Valhalla State University, and and the CRs and, and the town and, and just South yeah. Georgia in general because well, it's not I, every day. I'm so proud. Yeah, I'm so I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, you know, the other day you were, I guess, some people were complaining uh, to you guys or whoever they could find a, an ear to listen, and uh, they were complaining that Trump was getting special treatment or something like that. And I was very uh, encouraged to see your statement about it. And I hope everybody was able to. Uh, realize that, that you know you're going to if a presidential candidate leading the Republican Party wants to come down to Valdosta, yeah, you're going to let him rent out the space. I mean, but uh, what was, was what was the controversy on that? Um, I think the biggest controversy about that was, you know, first off, a money issue. People were concerned like Trump paid <laughs> this amount of money to use our space, um, and a dime did not come back to uh, to the students. It all went to the to the administrators, and that was just not true. Um, it's a private event; anyone can rent out a space for it. Uh, USG policies—I don't know if you remember my statement—but USG policies, just the policies, apparently say that an on-campus organizational group or department must "quote unquote" uh, be a facility sponsor to mm-hmm. it. That means we need to. Um, just being listed as an interest group on campus that says it's perfectly fine. He's here for the right reasons. Okay. Um, but, but the CRs cannot support a single candidate. Um, but again, it's not every day that you have a a candidate that comes down to Valdosta and comes down to right. South Georgia. Yeah, I mean nobody nobody else really came down. I know Ted Cruz has probably been the second uh, biggest campaign. Well, he may have actually had the most uh, events, and I know his uh, dad uh, Rafael Cruz came to a bunch of events. He really spent a lot of time in Georgia, and um, you know the good thing about being a chair of an organization is uh, you can be a little bit Pollyanna, which means you like everybody, right? <laughs> right, right, and so, and of course, and that was incredible. Um, for Mr. Cruz and his father to come down here, uh, or to come down to Georgia too, because that was incredible for them. But uh, I will say that being the chairman has just been such an honor and such a whirlwind because uh, I've been getting so many media requests, and <laughs> um, apparently my mom and my dad, I'm getting texts, are listening. They just want me to say hello. To them, so I'm going to say <laughs> hi, mom, hi, dad, and hi, Evan. So, um, um, but other than that, it was an incredible experience, yeah. and, and we're really happy. Um, with how it went, went out. Um, I don't know if you have a chance, but our interim president, Dr. Cecil Staten, did just put out a huge letter to the uh, campus community, pretty much um, sort of uh, denying and, and affirming any fears or anything that anyone had. So um, I, I, I would check that out. Okay. That was well, as, as as somebody famously once said, there's no such thing as bad press. Now, I don't agree with that 100%, but, uh, you know, put it this way. Donald Trump has been a master of, uh, you know, he engaged the Pope a couple weeks ago and came out ahead with two 
with uh, you know Rubio, a devout Catholic, and, and Cruz, an evangelical, and both of those guys ignored his diatribe or uh, you know dialogue with the Pope. So I, uh, what, regardless of whether you think Donald Trump is a good president, he certainly is running a really good campaign, and um, he's going to have a what what looks like a, a good night. And uh, wanted to tell your parents, thank you for. Uh, for tuning in today to Greg's List, I'll have the podcast up later so you guys can send it out to the whole Pollock clan, if that's okay. Awesome. We'll definitely do. Thank you, Greg. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Get back to class and tell your professor that uh, he needs to play this uh, over and over again because this is the real-world experience of politics. So I will definitely do so. All right, Take it easy, Greg. All right. Thank All right. you. Bye. Cool. Well, that was uh, Joel Pollock calling us from Valdosta State where uh, I'm looking at these... Um, uh, an article here on zpolitics.com. As you know, Christy Riggins, the editor, has uh, been a co-host with the show today. I'm uh, joined in studio today by Bobby Scott, who's co-hosting with me, a, uh, an attorney running for Congress down in District 2. We've had a, had a great day. And I guess for you, Bobby, the um, you know hearing from some of the college kids, because you can't be that far out. You're probably mid-30s, I guess. If I, I, I will be 40 this week. You will be? Oh, wow. That's right. Well, you look good for your age. I'll be 41 <laughs> in July. So we're, gotcha. We're pretty close. So you went to you worked for a couple of years and then went to law school, I guess. Okay, I did. Okay. I did. I was doing the, the math on that. So I graduated high school ninety three UGA. I was ninety seven. Okay, okay. And then you you graduated from Georgia State and then and took a, and okay. I, took, I took two years off. I actually served to, to make sure I wanted to be a, a an attorney. I actually tried to get real world experience, and I actually served as a bailiff for a state court judge in DeKalb County for two years. <laughs> now that must have been fun. It, and it, <laughs> it prompted me after after watching jury trial after jury trial, I realized that well, if these jokers can do it, so can I. So that's um, pretty cool. I guess that looked good on the law school app, right? Because don't, don't they want that? I, I think so, be? and that kind of really goes to show you too. And, and that kind of what was hit on earlier is that's part of a lot of the problem with the in part. I'm not going to blame everything on the economy on it, but there, there are too many. Um, young folks that are going to college and they are taking majors that have no real world application, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, uh, they struggle with this massive student debt. And I'm right. sorry, but if you get a, a degree in, uh, I don't know, paper, ancient ancient Sumerian poetry, yeah, or paper mache like. study artwork <laughs> or something like that, you're not going to get a job. And yes, you're going to owe a lot of student loans, and it's going <laughs> to cause a lot of trouble. Right. So, you know, so I mean, I, I would encourage all uh, young kids, young folks. I say kids. I, I make myself sound too old, but uh, <laughs> but they do. They need to get some real world experience, and mm-hmm. you know, they need to find something that's actually going to be in demand in the economy. And I mean, even when I was in, in undergrad school at Georgia State, I remember I had three jobs. I worked full time, mm-hmm. went to school at night at Georgia State um, every day of the week, and had two different jobs yep. on the weekends and yeah. you know i don't know if that's going on i'm not as young anymore as as i was but you know that's that's got to happen in order to to get yourself where you really yeah i be. think it gives you a real appreciation of of things i uh I, when I graduated, I worked for a newspaper right away, and mm-hmm. then I got into the the banking world. And I've thought about you know going back to, to school, but then you start filling out the applications, and you wonder what what am I going to really get out of this? The only reason I would go back for a law degree is just to learn how to kind of protect myself. I don't think I'd ever want to be a practicing attorney, but it would be nice to to go through the the process at, um, and, and and learn some of these things so I could just be a, a better 
uh, arguer sure. on some of these things. Obviously, we've got the <laughs> Supreme Court uh, vacancy coming up, which uh, which will be very what, interesting. Which is going on right now. I'm sure you, the the legal community, always they they do their a little bit of a self righteous dance whenever these come out. Or big you're probably Supreme, you're probably right about big that. Big Supreme Court decisions. They act like they're the only ones that are allowed to have opinions on these matters because right. of their their JD. But um, that's something that uh, you know clearly is going to be a battle and. Um, um, I just, I just hope the Republicans haven't dug themselves into a hole on that. One. You know, and I think everybody should care about it because the Supreme Court probably has more <clears throat> practical effect on your rights than any other branch of government. Really, right. to be honest with you, because they will decide things that will continue on if not changed or altered either by amendment or by legislation yeah. for for years to come. Well, I mean, you've looked at some of these cases with the Second Amendment. It seems to me that it's hanging on by a 5-4 to four decision, the Heller versus and the, or D.C., and there's a there's a Chicago case and a D.C. case, and one of them basically, I think the Chicago one, said, yes, an individual does have the right, right. to bear arms. And, right. and that was a 5-4 to four decision. Is that And you being an NRA and a, and a big fan of the Second Amendment, is, how, should I be scared of... of I, absolutely. Okay. I, I think if, if the president actually has the opportunity to to, um, nominate someone and the Senate actually goes for it and confirms, them, confirms yeah. it, I think we're in some dangerous territory. I mean, I, I don't want to throw any specific justice under the bus, but at the same time, it's, it's clear that, that uh, the president right now is not a fan of the Second Amendment. And if you give him any opportunity to actually fill that vacancy, mm-hmm. I think we're looking for some possible trouble. Right. Um, so. and, and would that be something on a state basis where basically, let's say, you know, the city of Chicago tries to ban the handguns again. Mm-hmm. And maybe the court says, okay, you know, we'll let you do that. That doesn't mean a state like Georgia would necessarily follow suit. No, would it? Okay. absolutely but, I mean, not. They, it could set a precedent, though, where they could say, look, it would the set second, up future amendment, litigation the second amendment does not guarantee the end of I don't see how it does not guarantee it. It's pretty damn plain language, but if it's a five to four margin, barely holding on to the Second Amendment, we are in scary times. I, I agree with that, and hopefully we can just make it till the, the end of the, ter- uh, the President's <laughs> term and then hold on to it yeah. and then and put someone in there, there that will be Second Amendment. Um, but, you know, we'll see whether or not the Senate stands up. I mean, I, yeah. I just don't know. And that's the other thing is what if we get to the situation where, you know, our, our nominee is Donald Trump and it looks like he's just going to get the doors blown off of him. Do we try to make a deal with Obama and, and, and do it? Or are they just are the Democrats going to say, well, we're going to have all this anyway, so screw you? I, I'm not a fan of doing, <laughs> doing deals with President Obama at all. I, I've seen the last two justices, yeah. and like I said, I've, I'm not yeah. going to throw any specific one under the bus because I do have a tremendous, tremendous respect for someone who can actually rise to that position right. and have had the, the legal training and, and, and the expertise oh, yeah. to, to be there. But at the same time, I'm not a fan of their politics at all, and uh, I think you're absolutely right. Awesome. If, we, if, we get, if we give him the chance, the Second Amendment is, is going to be facing another round of litigation. He's not going to be putting on a friend to the Second Amendment. Sure. Bobby Scott, congressional candidate. Joel Pollack from Valdosta State. Really great show today. Thank you for taking time out Thank of you. your Super Tuesday and for joining us in studio. David, I appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll have the podcast up later. Replay tonight at 6 p.m. Make sure you get out and vote today, folks. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Y'all are adults. Y'all can make your own decision. We'll see you next Tuesday on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.